You are a survivor. The bits of you that are broken, the bits of you that are damaged, do not see them that way. Instead, see them as slowly being filled with the beautiful experiences and truths you have learned from the damage, the equivalent of Lakert gold. I want you to remember you are not a broken thing. Instead, you are a human full of incredible and wonderful experience, made of the same things swords and diamonds are made of. You are a survivor, my darling, and I salute you for everything you have been through and for making the universe so proud, so very proud of what you have become. Okay. I know. A lot of people mm -hmm. was telling me the same thing. Mm -hmm. What you said? Make that drink, honey. I'm over here sipping on wine. She got that hard lick over there. Oh, so who's on vacation with her? Hold on. She on vacation with her man. They chilling, child. Oh, it's a vacation. It's a vacation. Oh, I'm jealous, homie. You're jealous of that? Yeah. Okay. You can hear her? Mm. I hear her. Okay. I can't hear her. I can't hear her. Oh, crap. That's the... Okay, so hold on. She can't hear you because I got headphones what? on. Oh. Hold on. We're testing it. I'm going to try to call in one more time. I'm changing the mic. Hold on. Hello? You can hear me? I can hear you. I'm to my um tiger. I hear her. You can hear her? You can hear me too? Mm -hmm. Okay, she hears you. can hear, I hear her. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I'm gonna set you right there so you can hear each other. I'm sorry about this rain because it's so loud. All right, so let's get into this. We only got 30 minutes. Anyway. Huh? Now we see you're a rap better anyway. You need to teach me how to tie it. No, I don't know how to do this. I'm still learning. It looks good. You think so? I just wrapped it until it stayed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It looks good. It looks cute. Don't touch me. Yeah, it's cute. Thank you. That's what everybody does, Gavin. We all wrap that junk thing. You wrap it into it, say. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. Okay. Good. I thought it was some technique because I seen a YouTube video on it. I was like, they really got YouTube videos on how you rap. Yes. Only the African African women do, boy. Rest of us, hell no. We rap. That it was different techniques. Doing this and doing all of that with it. Yes. I'm gonna learn. No, Greg, I be from Sudan for that, girl. No, uh, uh. Oh. I gotta be advanced, but it takes practice. Wait, all Zoom calls are only 30 minutes? Yeah. Or you have to, I don't you know have how to do it. You have to have a monthly plan. Mm -mm. So I ain't got no job band. right now. I, I didn't say advanced. I said from Sudan. Oh, 
from Africa. Them African women go just saying like it's nobody's business. I know. Yeah. No. The rest of us, we just winging it. Yeah, I'm gonna keep winging it. Keep winging it. Okay. All right, so we basically starting all over, right? Mm-mm. That's fine. Okay. You say no. Because what do you guys okay. do? Like, do it however. I don't know. All right. Welcome back to another episode of So Problematic. This is your girl, Cece. And we have our beautiful guest, Miss Tyga. How are you? Good. Are you, honey? Good. We hanging in there, basically. That's what I'll say. Hanging in there. (laughs) Um, It is Breast Cancer Month, and we want to keep the awareness alive for every month, but definitely for this month. So we brought um, our special guest on today to basically inform us and tell us her story and what the things that she did to survive and, you know, help other people as she still goes along and help other people, you know. I'm sorry. So tell Jalissa maybe when you're talking or someone else is talking, she might have to mute hers. Did you hear her? Because we hear it. Back. Yeah. Yeah. Because we hear ourselves through her. Jay. Yeah. So while we're, when we talking, unless you talk, maybe put your phone on mute because we hear your background okay. and like the echo. Okay. So until you like make us a conversation or whatever. Or gotcha. Yeah, you but right. talk, please. Like, don't just sit there. Yeah, yeah. Don't just sit there. Okay. Okay. It's better now. Oh, no, I'm going to talk. We know you is. He's a talker. She be doing most of the talking, actually. <laughs> she really is. All right. So, um, I don't know how I'm gonna edit that, but, anyways, leave it. I know, right? Leave. I told you, I don't. I really don't care about editing. Leave it. Yeah. Editing at this point. All right. So let's start by, um, asking. When were you diagnosed? What age? I was diagnosed at the age of 25 after being misdiagnosed at 24. Okay. And you you went in yourself to basically find out. I went in myself after I used to sleep like this for some reason. And I felt a lump like in my left breast. Uh But I noticed that like when it would get hit it would hurt or what have you and it didn't change much like with my cycle and everything so I went into a breast center and it did an ultrasound and everything told me to come back in six months I came back in four they told me it was too early they sent me back and then I came back in six months later well two months after that oh wow okay oh I gotta act yeah and it may sound funny, but for us small <laughs> girls, <laughs> I got to speak for the small ones, you know? Um, strong, what do we uh, look for? Because I don't have any. And do I just look for like maybe soreness or like if I feel something funny there, basically? Um, and that's the thing, especially with our age group, mm-hmm. because if you don't have family history and with your age, you don't require a mammogram. So you really have to be like your own advocate and kind of know your body. So with me, like I said, I felt alone. You're saying, you know, your, your breasts are on a smaller size, which is good, yeah, I got but 
a lot of things just to look out for is if you fill a lump that changes. Okay. Or if you feel like it's getting bigger and smaller and things like that. But you also remember with our cycle, our, our breasts usually change. Yeah. And also after you have kids, if you have calcification of milk in your breast. So honestly, it's all about just watching it and just watching it. Then you know when something feels off. That's true. Because you know when you're pregnant. Yeah. <laughs> you don't want to. We know when it feels off. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Okay. Because a lot of women, like, especially with our age group, I feel like we don't know what to look for in most cases, mm-hmm. like, unless, like you said, you felt something that was off, so you had questions about it. A lot of women our age probably just feel like, oh, it's nothing, it's just something, it'll go away, you know? Right. In our community, a lot of us do that. You and know? that works to our Black women are least likely to get diagnosed with breast cancer, but mm-hmm. more likely to die from it. Wow. We typically get diagnosed with what's called triple negative or we catch it too late and when you catch it too late it's only so much you can do because it has the potential to spread and cause other issues well then that's my next question at what stage were you diagnosed um i was around like stage one because when i first caught it it was well what they felt like it was was precancerous tissue but they told me in the first place that I went to that misdiagnosed me, they told me they were giving me a biopsy and really they didn't. They did a needle aspiration. But the, and a needle aspiration for those that know is basically a needle that goes into that specific area and they pull out cells and they test those cells. But with that, you can miss it. Oh. So once I got a biopsy and an actual mammogram, that's when I got diagnosed. But for some women that could be a little bit too late or most women that would have went to that first appointment and got turned around, now they're thinking, oh, it's nothing. I'm not even going to go back. Wow. That is true. Yeah. Wow, okay. You have, to be, you have to be adamant about it. You have to remember the healthcare industry is a business. Yeah, you're right. Whenever you do this, you return. Jalissa. I'm sorry. I didn't even cut, y'all, cut nobody off. Uh-huh. How did you feel getting diagnosed after you were misdiagnosed? Like, what was that first feeling, that, that emotion that you had, that right there, right beginning? Was it like, what the to hell? Girl, to be completely honest, I was pissed. Wow. I was pissed and I was disappointed because it's like, I went in, I did what I felt like I was supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And y'all, y'all dropped the ball on me because I was a number to you. So it was disappointing. And then I think you go through kind of every emotion. So it's like disappointment and it's kind of fear. Then it's kind of like you're pissed. And then it's like, well, why me? What the fuck did I do wrong? Mm-hmm. And you're like, okay, this must be some shitty karma. And you just kind of go through every emotion. I can't even imagine. I mean, at, at that age, what, what were you planning for your life prior to finding out your diagnosis? Like what, what uh, were you going through at that time? College. 24. I had, I had already graduated college. I went to Florida State. I went to Aveda in Atlanta to get my cosmetology license. So I had literally just moved back to South Florida, got my apartment. I was working in a salon and I was like, okay, this is, you know, my time. Like it's actually good until adulthood. Like I'm done with the schooling and everything. 
So it's like, it puts a pause on like everything that you're doing. And you know, that mid 25 range is when you start seeing all your friends getting engaged, having kids, mm-hmm. traveling and what have you. You feel like you're missing shit. Wow. That's crazy. I mean, um, because at that age, well, I had my child, but you know, at that age, you feel like that's the beginning of your official- Of of young adulthood, yeah. You know, so it's kind of like, I know it felt like maybe it was taken away from you because you had to deal with what you dealt with. And um, I want to know what the beginning of that process was. Like once you got that diagnosis, like the beginning steps, um doctor's appointments back to back like what what is that what is that like um they just kind of hit you with everything so when I went to my first mammogram before I could even like put my clothes back on she pulls me into this office and like shows me my left breast versus my right breast and the left breast looked like a galaxy and the right breast just kind of looked stagnant and so it's like after that, then it's like phone call after phone call. Okay, you have to get this scan. You have to get that scan. You have to go and get this done. And then they just kind of give you this cookie cutter regimen mm-hmm. of, okay, you're going to do six months, six rounds of chemo to hopefully shrink the tumor. And then you're going to get a mastectomy of just that breast and then radiation. And you're like, okay, so what if I want to do, and the doctor that I had at the time, he had no bedside manner whatsoever. It's oh, like he didn't even realize it was on the table. And he gave me this little bar graph and it was like, okay, if you do the chemo, you might live this long. If you do the surgery, you might live this long. If you do this without this, you might not live until this point. And he kind of just said it, cut and dry. Cut and dry. And like, well, what if I don't want to do the chemo? Oh, then you're playing Russian roulette. What? So it, it, it's intimidating. Because it's like a part of you wants to kind of like do your research and kind of do what feels right for you. Mm-hmm. But then another part of it is like, okay, I'm not a healthcare provider, so everyone else is scaring the shit out of you. Wow. I mean, to even have a doctor like that, I probably, for one, would have cursed them out, you know. But, I filed a complaint. But I mean, <laughs> because I feel like, it's, for one, it's a lot of information to take in especially after getting mm-hmm. diagnosed. It's a lot of information to take in. So with him being just cut and dry with you, it's more like, what if I have questions? And if you really think about it, somebody who's like that, you're afraid to ask certain questions because you, just feel, like, you just feel like, you know? Why of us actually question our doctor? Exactly. And I feel like we're supposed to ask them questions and be comfortable. Y'all all up and in our business. Y'all all should. up here. <laughs> <laughs> I mean yeah, I feel literally. Like, yeah so I just feel like you know I'm I, I can't imagine you going through that I mean Jay you had something to say because I heard you yeah oh, God. so with that doctor did you I know you might have you changed him but how soon did you change doctors was it like as soon as you heard him say all that or did you give yourself time oh, and do your research? Immediately. I saw him say, when I said, you know what, if you have a daughter or you have anyone in your life that is around my age or anywhere in the time frame of their life, think about them the next time you see somebody because you won't see me again. Mm. And I went up out of complaint. Wow. 
what advice would you give to a woman right now? If we go with the rest of your story, who just found out she had cancer, just found out she had breast cancer, mm-hmm. what would be the advice you give her like at this point that that would help her? You know, like when people say, I wish mm-hmm. I knew this. So it's like, I wish I knew this moment. Like, say a young woman listening to it right now just got diagnosed to our podcast. And what would you be able to tell her right now, finding out that she just got diagnosed? For one, I would tell her to go through her emotions and allow herself that because a lot of people make you feel, um, I don't want to use the word guilty, but for lack of a better word, a lot of people will make you feel guilty for your emotions, but that's the point of them. Your, your emotions are supposed to be there, but you need to live out that emotion and then let it go and move on to the next one. So like when I said I was angry and I was pissed or I was disappointed, like I had to go through those emotions so that I can get rid of that one and move on to what the hell I needed to do. And also do your research. Doctors are people just like everybody else. And the same way that doctor misdiagnosed me, the next doctor could have made another mistake. So I can't go into it blindly just listening to what you guys are telling me to do without going home and doing my research and also checking your sources. Don't just Google and go with the first thing you see. Check your resources and, and go with your gut. We all have that intuition as women. And I think we we give that advice more than we listen to it ourselves. That's very true. Um, I want to ask, how was your support system during all this process from the beginning to end? Like, did you lose friends? Did you lose certain people in your life? Or did it bring people closer to you? You know? Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you lose a lot of people, especially when you, depending on the, the kind of person you are before. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're that fun person, you're that brother. And remember, I was 25, so... When you're going through all of that, everything changed. You're not drinking the way you were. You can't go out the way you were. You're not, now I have to find a different job to get insurance. So it's like everything kind of like the gears just kind of slow down or you just stop. Mm. So you, and also you have a lot of people that can't deal with what you're going through. And just because it's your tragedy, it doesn't stop everybody else's shit. So you know, when we all go through something, we all kind of internalize it and we're like, well, why didn't this person call me? Why didn't this person check on me? Why didn't this person do this? And I would have done this and that and the other. And like, you really take that back and realize, okay, everyone's not me and they're not going to do the things that I would do. And it took for a friend of mine to come to me one day and I was so upset with her because she was not there. And I was like, you know, if it was you, I would have been at every apartment. I would do this, that, and the other. Mm-hmm. And she pulled me to someone and she was like, Tiger, I want to apologize because I didn't know how to be there. I didn't know what to say. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to see you like that. Mm-hmm. And no one had explained it to me like that. So when she said that, I was like, I never would have thought about that. Yeah. And I'm like, I would have been able to be the same support system to others that people were to me. So when she said that, I kind of like took a step back and was like, you know, it's about me, but it's not. Yeah. Because everybody still got the other stuff going on too. So the people that weren't around when she told me that, it finally made me realize like, okay, maybe you weren't there because you didn't need to be there. Maybe you would have been around and your energy wouldn't have been what I needed. Or you would have been saying things that made me be in a place that I need to be in. Mm-hmm. So you have to kind of just accept that everyone's role is what it should have been. Right. You, I might not have seen it physically, but you might've been somewhere praying. Uh, you might not have been in every hospital or doctor's appointment, but I don't know what happened in your life to make you not feel comfortable or not in that setting. 
So you can't fault people and you just have to kind of ride the wave. I agree because um, I have a friend that basically just dealt with, you know, breast cancer and I technically didn't know how to be there, but I, I felt like I knew how to be there enough to say, if you need to talk, I'm here. Or because I have a family, you know, like I have to tend to mm-hmm. my thing as well. So for someone who is a friend of yeah. a person that is dealing with that, no, we don't know how to be there. But I feel like just saying I'm here for you or call me if you need me, is that enough? You know, people like me probably have that question. Like, is that enough That's to say that? <laughs> you know, like no, it's a good question. But the thing is, it's like you don't know what's enough. And honestly, when the feeling comes to you to do something, you'll move. Yeah. You'll move. So and, and I like that because it's true. Mm-hmm. A lot of times we look at our friends like how come they're not there? Mm-hmm. And they don't know how to comfort you. Like for me, going through divorce. Yeah, going it's through the same divorce, thing. Going through divorce, it's like, I was like, some of my friends like, yo, they don't call me, they don't check on me, they don't really care about me. And it was like, wait a minute, I don't know how to do that. They didn't, they didn't think they would have to do that right. for me. So I actually understand, and I, that's important to know. Yeah, it is. It is. You really just have to meet people where they're at and yeah. be okay with it. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, now, did you have kids while you were diagnosed? Like, no. No. And and that's another thing. That, I was gonna and that's something there's so much going on at the same time because even when they introduced the thought of chemo to me, chemo puts you in menopause. And you you have a chance of your cycle coming back or not. They ne- never can really tell. So then they're throwing at you, do you want to freeze your eggs? Do you want to do this? Do you want to who's paying for that? Like, that's a so it's a, yeah. a lot. Oh I didn't God. know that. So yeah, I didn't really know that too deep into that, but did it also make you feel some type of way to know these things and like say possibly I can't have no children ever or do I do that? Yeah. You know? Because that's that's something that we can't take. Yeah, because I used to be like, I don't want kids. I don't want kids. And then when someone slapped me with that, you're like, well, shit, I should have watched my mouth. Like, (laughs) I'll put it out there and now look. Yeah, that's, you just told me that to put something in the universe, but you are right. You are right. You gotta watch your words, and and granted, not that's not every woman's situation because your cycle can come back. And granted, I was so young that your body's able to kind of bounce back a little bit better. Yeah. But you gotta also remember, I'm talking to when I'm trying to like find mentors and other people to speak with. I'm finding ladies in their forties and fifties that have, that are married already, that already have kids. Yeah. So they were thinking about that kind of stuff yeah and you were so much younger and right and so even when you talk to them you automatically get that oh you're so young and you're like come on man another thing i want to ask how tired were you of hearing that oh my gosh i'm so sorry because i found out that most of the time y'all don't want to hear that am i right am i right one hundred thousand fifty-eight percent right. <laughs> I found out through one of my like my my friend who has it. She didn't want to hear like she, the hugging and the you know that I'm so sorry to hear stuff. Some people just want to be treated normally. You already going through something. You still you and just you know what like you exactly. 
And it goes back to when you asked me, you know, did I lose friends and gain friends? And it was like, absolutely. But you know what? The people that I realized that I kept, they treated me the same way. If they would have cussed me out before cancer, they'll cuss me out during cancer. Yeah. But I needed that because I needed, because everything else was so mm-hmm. crazy. That normalcy. Wow. Treat me like tiger. Don't treat me like patient. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone like like you're like some cracked like piece of fine china that it, it might just fall apart again so everyone kind of tiptoes around you mm-hmm. and if you know the personality of the person that you're dealing with talk to that person not the, the patient part exactly jay i heard you yeah, I and i can sympathize with that because i can imagine that you guys are sick of it mm-hmm. um because it's like okay you're you're i'm sorry it's not gonna fix my issue so it's like uh you know, and that's so crazy because I was just telling my mom that, mm-hmm. that um, mm-hmm. with my divorce, like, I'm sick of saying, I don't even tell people anymore. I'm just like, oh, I'm doing good, but I'm doing good. And she was like, why? I said, because I've grown sick. And I understand they mean well, but for me, it's like, here we go again. I'm so sorry to hear that. Oh, my gosh. Did you guys have some- everything? It's like, oh, gosh, here we go. So I can and you know what is what? It's empty. It is. It, it, yeah. it doesn't have any value. It's like someone just like asking you like questions that like close ended questions. It only requires a yes or a no. You know what I mean? So it's like you're not re- you're doing it out of habit. You're not doing it out of interest of how I'm feeling or what I'm going through. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly empty. what it I is. Love that. Empty, empty. Yeah, I. That's what yeah. I, I. I don't do that. That's I can say that. Once I say it the first time, I'll because I'll say it the first time, but after that, I'm gonna treat you as normal as day because I feel like you still that person that I've met, that I've gotten to know, my close friend or family member. Like, I'm gonna, I'm not, you're not my patient at the end of the day. Like, you're not my patient. I know what you're dealing with and I sympathize for that. I show you any. But I feel like at this point now, yeah. I have to treat you as normal as possible. Like Jay. You do. And you're going to have questions. You're going to be curious. Ask. Exactly. Just don't ask. General, don't Girl, that have... general stuff. Yes. How are but you? People would be so shocked. Come on. They would be so shocked at my response. When they'd be like, can I see? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, did that hurt? Yes. Ask me that shit. Yeah. Like that whole are you Okay, are you okay? Do you and really want to know? Oh, the baby will adapt. Yeah. Oh, God, here we go again. Yeah. I'm telling you, that's one thing I just can't do because I feel like I sympathize for people already. Y'all don't need to hear that on a daily basis that every time we talk. No. Like, you know, that's you'll feel that. You don't want to hear that no more. And the genuine person feel that you care more than you just say you okay you okay really you're annoying <laughs> yeah yeah it's annoying I feel so um let's talk about this hair honey because i know that you saved your hair right during your um your chemo. so how did that happen how did that start um well i have pushed off chemo for so long because like i said they initiated me doing it before my surgery but when the doctor told me you know hopefully it'll shrink your tumor well I'm like you know what if you're gonna cut me anyway just go ahead and take them off 
So I ended up doing a bilateral, which means that I took them both off. And then I ended up doing chemo. And I only got talked into the chemo because I denied it and denied it. But they were like, you know, you're so young and we don't want to come back and this that, and the other. So I had to come out of my selfish mode and realize, okay, it's not just me that kind of wants me around. Mm-hmm. So when I did the chemo, once again, I got back into my research and I found something called the cold caps. And it's something that they were using predominantly in other countries and not in America because I guess it's something, it was like a, some, a company where it's like one guy had like a patent on it, but it was basically a cap that you put on your head and you kind of interchange it like every 20 minutes before your chemo, during it and hours after. And the idea behind it is it's so cold that it kind of freezes your follicle so that the chemo doesn't reach your follicle and make your hair fall out. So I actually did make it through six rounds of chemo with my hair, but it was such a thing in the center because no one had ever really done it. Like, and honestly, my doctor even kind of laughed, like, okay, you can try it, but you know, have fun. What? Wow. Okay. All right. I mean, it, remember, it's a business, so everything extra that you kind of want to do is in, is inconvenience to them. That, but that's my question. Why is that not something that is saving everybody or an option for everyone? Like, I get it that this person probably has like, you know, painted over there in another country or whatever. But knowing America, America always stealing stuff, right? Let's just throw that Yeah, out. but I also want to know how they're going to get money from it. And it's expensive, I'm sure. It is expensive. Um, You have to have a certain amount, you know, on your credit card and you actually rent them. They won't sell them to you. So you rent them and then you actually send them back when you're done. What? <laughs> what? Wait a minute. So you have to rent the caps. I rented them and sent them back after my last came off. But they worked. Wow. Okay, so I want to know, like, after you did your I'm, research, and you... go ahead, Jay. Yeah, I'm sorry. Ahead. No, 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 I can't help it. I know. Go ahead with your questions, Charles. <laughs> it's how much? How much is it? I gotta know. Okay, give us a bad part because I didn't know how much it was. I didn't know. She Honestly, I don't remember because there was some. Listen, when you go through chemo, you have something called chemo brain, and you forget a lot of shit. But I don't really remember the cost. I know it was pricey. And honestly, because there's other companies now, because I, I helped a lot of other women go through it with the caps and like, you know, kind of help them with it. Mm-hmm. So there's other companies now and now that they have a little more competition. The price isn't as bad, but I mean, it's doable, but not for everybody. I meet so many women that go through it, but I don't even have insurance. I was gonna so say the last thing insurance covered is it's is it covered through insurance? No. Ah, uh, see. No. Because I, a lot of people even thought it was vain. Mm. It's like you're fighting for your life and you're worried about your hair. Yeah, I am. <laughs> and see, that's the thing. Like that's because people didn't do their research like you did. Like you, really they don't. That's a research. It's not about you either. Like so, if. Keeping my hair is important to me. Who are you to tell me that it's not important? I had already lost my breast. Uh, I lost the salon that I was working in. Like, 
you're already losing so much. You're telling me that I'm going to go through menopause and may not have kids. It's like you're losing so much. Anything that you can hold on to, it's mine. Sure. <laughs> like, yes, it's just my damn hair. Yeah, it might grow back, but it might not. Or it might not be the same. Or, And it's also, to me, a mental thing. Because when you look a certain way and everyone starts to see it, it's one thing for you to tell everybody that you got cancer. Mm-hmm. But then to like, for everyone to see it, is a whole different ball game. And at the same time, I had just got dropped from my parents' insurance. So I had to go and get a nine to five because a pre-existing condition, you can't just buy your insurance. So I had to go and that's how I met you, CC. When I went to Teen Hawk, I only got that job because I needed insurance. Yeah. So it's like now you're a new job and now what, I'm supposed to start chemo. I started chemo maybe like my first or second month working there so imagine starting a new job and now your hair is starting to fall out as you're working there meeting new people wow (laughs) i'm just yeah wow indeed this is a lot this is a lot to take in i mean it it is to think i'm not i'm not going through what you went through so for me this isn't an everyday conversation i don't know these things Mm -hmm. for me someone who doesn't know anything about this I just look at it like, oh, I'm so sorry for you, or dang, you went through that. I'm not dealing with it. Right. So it's kind of like I hear the general side, but you don't never hear the in-depth of what you had to really go through to be here with us today. Because it could have went to stage four or whatever the case was. Like you were that you was misdiagnosed. You know what I'm saying? You yeah. Put that and you could have just been like. I'm just going to live my life now, not care about it. Oh, it's going to go away eventually. You know what I'm saying? And a lot of women like that, they're like, oh, I never did the follow-up. And now they're telling me, oh, I'm stage three or stage whatever. And I'm like, mm-hmm. honey, it's not going to tell you. Because <laughs> like, once it starts to spread, you, you're screwed. Yeah. So what made you start the foundation? Tiger B. Um, I initially started the foundation because I, I felt secluded. Like I felt like there was no one really that like looked like me or sounded like me or came from the background that I came from that had breast cancer. And like I told you, I did a lot of research and I remember going to like Barnes and Nobles and like looking for books and I'm like, everybody's 40, 43 or like, and like I think one book some lady was like 36 and they consider her young. And I'm like, the issues that you have in your 40s dealing with cancer are totally different from issues that you have in your 20s exactly. dealing with cancer. And it's like dealing with cancer and it's like social media and it's like dating. And it's like everything that you're coming into when you're young adulthood, now you want to throw cancer on top of it. And you got to think most people in their 40s, they have a different kind of support system. Yes. They might have a husband or they have like a retired parent mm-hmm. or they have a 401k or yeah. more savings or more time that they can take off of work. I didn't have those luxuries. So it was different issues. So when I formed the foundation, it was to address those issues that younger women might have when they come into breast cancer. And as like, honestly, like humiliating as it was sometimes to be that like poster child of damn cancer Mm -hmm. it's like okay I didn't get to choose it so 
if this is what happened to me and this was my thing to whatever, it is what it is. That look like you. So, yeah. So in that process, I know that you wrote a book uh, called October Never Ends. I have that book. It's my baby. Love that title. Love yes, that title. I love Thank it. Um, can you tell us what this book is about and what it represents for you? Um, honestly, it was my release because I couldn't talk during cancer. Like I can talk about it now. And like, I remember someone telling me, once you could tell your story and not cry about it, then you're finally over it. And I still get emotional, so I guess I'm not. So when I was going through it and I couldn't talk, I used to write everything out. Because like I said, you forget shit. And my mom gets so upset with me because after every appointment, I couldn't talk to her. So I would write shit down. And she was like, well, why don't you talk? Because everyone wants to know what you're thinking and how you feel and what do you want to do? And it's like, yo, it's like, 50 fucking people in my head talking right now and they never shut up. Mm. So I can't deal with them and you. So I used to write everything down and I had a cousin of mine and she said, why don't you make it a book? And I'm like, yo, that would be so embarrassing for people to read how the fuck I was feeling. I'm sorry, I just keep cussing. But for people to read about how I'm feeling like, imagine being like your diary. And she was like, I get that. But she's like, Somebody else needs to hear this. So somebody else needs, she was like, everybody doesn't want to be like, you know, delicate around something like this. There's people that want to be talked to the way you talk to people. Yep. And so I'm like, okay, so I submitted to somebody because I've never written a book or know nothing about it. And I submitted to this girl for help. And she's like, it sounds like you're talking to somebody. Like you need to do it all over. And I'm like, you know what? I'm glad you said that. That means it's perfect. Yeah. So I it and I pushed it out and I'm like, my only goal is for it to at least help somebody or for 10 people to read it and just know how I felt. Cause like I said, I couldn't, I couldn't get out how I was feeling. Yeah. So that's how the book kind of came about. And it was, I named it October Never Ends because I got diagnosed September 11th, no, September 16th, 2011. And I got my mastectomy in October of all months so it was like in October oh my god like everybody was coming because it was cute and it was fun Mm -hmm. so everybody's bringing me pink shit and pink flowers and pink all this pink shit that I could do nothing with but I I got bills I gotta go to like all these appointments and stuff so it's like yeah this pink stuff is fun but I can't do nothing with this yeah but then November came around some people trickle off December come around Oh, y'all got other stuff to do. So it was like, well, damn, y'all was real cute in October. Right. <laughs> but yeah, it's still October. <laughs> I'm, I'm really happy that you wrote that book because even coming from a person who isn't dealing with it, it helped me understand what you go through and how to deal with other people that I know is going through it. And I, you know me, I recommended your book to numerous of people. <laughs> And mm-hmm. I will still do copy. that. Yes, definitely. You can borrow mine if you have to, or go, go get yours on Amazon. I'm gonna buy my copy. Um, but I feel like it was necessary to the point where you helped people. You helped a lot of people understand what they were going through. Like in a sense of 
some people, like I, the friend that I talked to, she probably didn't know how to explain what she was going through to somebody like me or like your mom or yeah. like her, you know what I'm saying? And yeah. after, after hearing what you had to say and how you expressed yourself, it helped her say, okay, I know how to put it into words now. I know how uh-huh. to deal with it now. I know how to say what I'm feeling without maybe getting so emotional about it or how to deal with their emotions. Mm-hmm. It helped them see it. And I feel like your your book really did that for a lot of people that I know. So I appreciate your book. I still recommend it. You want to cry about it, but it's okay. <laughs> but you know, it just it did a lot. No, it, it did a lot for me, and I, I didn't even think like in writing it it would be that much. But it, like I said, it was a release because you have so much shit going on at the time. And so many people have pushed their agendas on you and how you should deal with it, what you should say. Oh, you shouldn't have said that. That sounded this way. Like, tell your story then. Right. Like, you don't get to tell, tell mine because this happened to me. And it, it's a lot. Yeah. And nobody tells you how to deal with it. And it's like, you don't want to go around playing the cancer card because you can, you can get a lot of sympathy for it. But that's not what I was looking for. I was looking for people to just understand it. And move on right uh, or go help else with it yeah. but nobody ever tells you how to how to really deal with cancer and i think everybody deals with it differently differently so, yeah you know you can't and, and you're going to but the thing is uh, i even had a lot of people reading that they weren't even dealing with cancer or know anyone with cancer but it just helped them deal with other stuff because i'm like cancer was just my my jizz yeah. everybody else is going to have their like how Jalissa said her divorce or whatever, or I know you've had a lot of loss in your family. Yeah. So everyone's going to have their, their thing. Mm-hmm. So you don't get to pick and choose your thing. You only get to choose how the hell you deal with that thing. Yes. Because everyone looks at me like, oh, you dealt with cancer so well. Yeah, I did. But guess what? I might have a divorce and fall apart. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's all in how you take whatever happens. Very true. That's very true because very very true. The person, very, very true. you know, the person. Now, my thing is, oh, what, what pushed you? Like, what was your will to fight this? Like, what made you? I'm sorry, my dark background. My dad ain't got no behavior. Um, what <laughs> you that pushed to fight? You know, to say I'm gonna live. I'm gonna survive this. This is not going to beat me. Like, is it spirituality? Is it God? Is it just your will to survive? Is it like your mom, your dad, or you know, what was that driving force to make you say that you're going to be cancer and you're going to live a good life and you're going to be, you know, this bomb ass woman that you are? What was your drive? What? All right, now. Um, it was a lot of things, honestly, I think, because um, to be real with you, I'm not religious. Um, I believe in a, whatever you want to call it. Where I believe in a spirit, an energy, whatever. Mm-hmm. But, um, and that's kind of what helped me just accept it. And I think when people would be like, oh, but you're so young or oh, but this, or you don't look, it's like, what in the hell makes you so special that you feel like this can't happen to you or shouldn't happen to you? And I, to, honestly, I just feel like that's a selfish mentality. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking that if I were just to sit there and wallow or be upset or be pissed about it, it's like, who the hell am I to think that every day that I have is supposed to be some great, fabulous, glitter-filled fucking day? It doesn't work like that. So it's like, okay, after I went through all of those emotions, all the negative ones, I'll say, 
but necessary. Yeah. It was like, okay, now it's time to do something else. Okay, like, yeah, today sucks, but you, you, if you force yourself to smile or force yourself to, to focus on something else, it's like, okay, I hate this chemo center, but you know what, the front, lady at the front desk real cool. I like her. Mm-hmm. Or you know what, I, I'm going to play my favorite song all damn day. I like that song. You have to insert something in the shitty days yeah. to make it not so bad. And so I think that part of it kind of kept me going because I'm like, there has to be something else at the back end of this mm-hmm. to where if, if I can get through this and I get there, I'm good. Now, if I sit here in this, mm-hmm. I, I, I'm, I'm doomed for it. Right. And to me, I think that's what depression is. It's like, you're going to have that thing, that, that, that it, your thing, like you said, Jalissa, your divorce. Now, if you sat there in that initial part of your divorce and just wallowed in it and stayed there, you're scarred. Now, if you find anything, and to me, it's not about looking outside because those outside things are always going to change. I had to find shit in me to be like, okay, I'm going to make this good. Let me, yeah. let me find stuff in me to motivate myself. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Okay. I love that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I hope I answered your question. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Uh, and honestly, at the same time, my brother had just had twins, so I had my I had nieces, and I'm like I said, I didn't have kids. I don't have um very many siblings, and I have a lot of aunts. But I always remember growing up not being close to them. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Not having one that I can call on and talk to, or, and I didn't grow up with my only grew up with my immediate family. So I always wanted to be something to them that my aunts were never to me. Right. So I, I, that was a big push. And honestly, they since there were babies at the time that I got my mastectomy, they were the only people in the world that could be around me and didn't talk about cancer. They didn't know about cancer. They didn't know I was sick and they didn't treat me like that. Right. So that was a big part. That was your piece. That was your piece. I didn't want them to hear about me. I wanted them to be able to know me. Know you. Oh my gosh. That's beautiful. Very, very beautiful. So I want to, I want you to give a message to a woman right now. Um, what message would you have for a young lady right now, like Jalissa said, that is really going through just finding out that she has breast cancer. She doesn't know what stage she is. She probably got diagnosed before, not diagnosed at all. She feels a lump in her breast right now. What, what do you say to her right now? I say to her, um, process. Yeah, you have to process because when you, when you try to take too much on and you just react, mm-hmm. you never get the best result because you didn't, you didn't think it through. So give yourself that time and that space to process whatever you need to process. Um, do your research, be your own advocate. No doctor knows you better than you know yourself in the same body that you've had since birth. Right. Um, no one around you knows what's best for you. Follow your intuition, your gut, your instinct is not something that's fictional. Um, so roll with it, right. allow yourself to feel allow yourself to be hurt, allow yourself to be disappointed, but allow yourself to know that there's something better that's going to be on the opposite end. And if someone wanted to ask you a question or get in contact with your your foundation, how would they do that? 
Um, to be honest, I'm not active with the foundation right now because um, the foundation is something I did literally like immediately following all of my treatments because I almost felt indebted that I was meeting all of these people that like were reaching out to me and thought that like I dealt with it well and actually wanted my advice and I've never been one not to really talk about myself so it was like shocking to me that people wanted to hear what I had to say so um I felt like I I felt like I kind of owed the universe to kind of do the foundation and give something back because I think I don't know if you remember um was it Miss Brenda's sister that passed away And I was helping her. It was her second round with cancer. And she got, she, she heard about me through Miss Brenda and wanted to use the cold caps because she didn't want her kids to know she was doing it again. So I'm sorry, I went off a tangent, but when she, the cold caps were working and she ended up passing. And I remember going to Miss Brenda's desk and I asked about her like I usually did. And she told me and I had never met the lady today in my life but it took so much out of me because I felt like it was unfair because I'm like here I am with no kids no husband and like granted I love my life don't get me wrong but I would have given her a couple days to be with her kids if I could have yes so it's okay it's okay trust me go like you said go through the emotion go through it because it, it I know everyone's here for their reason and purpose and all that jazz, but on, to be real, sometimes shit just doesn't seem fair because it's like those kids will always be waiting for their mom to come home. Yeah. So I did the foundation because it was like, thank you, babe. So um, I did it because I know there were going to be more girls like that and more women like that that don't get to come home. Yeah. So it kind of felt like, who the hell am I to get like a second chance? And not do anything for it to like just go on and like live like like I was old that so that's why I did the foundation so but if you do I do still help women and reach out but I'm at a point where I just kind of like well I'm just trying to live and actually fulfill that part of so but I still have my Instagram which is um Tiger B for BC, which is T-Y-G-A, the number four BC. Um, I answer my DMs. You can email me at Britanniabrain at Yahoo. I'll respond if you need to talk. I talk to girls like literally still every week. I can't turn people away. I'm in Mexico talking to your ass. So. <laughs> so, it's just, to me, it's, it's, it's what I'm indebted to the universe. So I have no problem with it. I agree. And I appreciate you talking and, and uh, taking the time out to speak to us on your, oh, on your business. Um, you know, when you said when, when certain they can't see how, you take us on, but go on. How do certain people come and go in your life or whatever? When I started working at Teen Health, you want to share, I don't know why, y'all were so damn nice to me and I used to be going through it. Um, the one day Lachelle came to my desk and she was like, what's wrong and I, I had just did chemo I was gonna sit she sat she didn't even care that she wasn't working she sat by me the whole time and you would come in every day and, and just be so bubbly and so, <laughs> like in a like, what is wrong with this girl and I'm like I found myself like coming to work looking forward 
to like seeing certain people yeah. and it was like oh as much as I hate this job oh Cece better be at work today <laughs> Michelle better be at work Miss Sybil better be at her desk like, and you and know you look for those part? look for those little things yes and the crazy part about it is I, I honestly didn't know what you were going through in the beginning and that's why I liked it <laughs> I didn't know and obviously when I did find out I still treated you the same because I, I feel like that's something you still you ate my snack. Yeah, I sure did. I sure came over with your snacks you still all in your face. So I feel like, you know, it was, it was meant destiny happens for a reason. We meet people for a reason. That's how I feel. Mm-hmm. So I, I served whatever purpose in that time in your life. And until now, I served that purpose for you. You absolutely did. And whoever else was there for you, like I met you for a reason. Mm-hmm. If you needed a giggle, you needed that bubbly feeling for that time being. I was. There oh, you that. did. <laughs> I bugged you. Oh my god! I can't do. <laughs> I couldn't either. <laughs> I literally you know, I was my I would sit at the desk and be feeling nauseous or getting hot flashes and didn't want to explain to people like how I was. And I remember one girl came up to me at work in my first week and she was like, you got cancer, don't you? I think I saw you on Facebook. And I was so pissed because you didn't ask me how I was, what my what? name was, nothing. You felt you knew me through social you media. Text me her you, name. You, hmm? you better text me her name. Yeah. I, I, it, it's not even. I was just like, "What the heck?" But you find that people get comfort in familiarity. Oh, I know her. I saw her. Oh, you know she works with me. So it was kind of like I gravitated toward people that that treated me the same. Mm-hmm. Every time we took breaks, we laughed, we joked, we kiki. Like I would sit at my desk and wait for your stupid emails. Like, oh, what she said today. <laughs> so it's like it's little things that you look for when everything else is just so tumultuous yes man well this was a this was a great one a lot of people waited for this conversation to happen which is weird i hope i delivered <laughs> definitely did right jay jay well yeah yes, yes yes i did and i actually even had friends that were like you know mm-hmm they were just like, you know, we want to can't wait to hear it. Yeah. Because, you know, we hear about breast cancer a lot, breast cancer, breast cancer month. But you don't really hear it from people or individuals who've had it. Mm-hmm. And that's what's important is to hear it and to just know what it's like and what you don't want. Because see, the other thing, I didn't know that just like hearing that generic response, that's something that you didn't really want to hear. Mm-hmm. You want to hear more like a genuine or just like, empathy you know it's a sympathy so Mm -hmm. but also knowing that as soon as they find you had cancer they give you these generic things just to get you off their back i didn't know they were like that Mm -hmm. i thought you generic yes very generic and so Mm -hmm. i know Mm -hmm. i had um, a family friend that passed away from cancer recently you know in december Mm -hmm. And she didn't want to go through chemo either. She wanted to do the holistic, healthy way. And, you know, she it, it prolonged her. She found out at stage four. 
Mm-hmm. And this is somebody who we grew up with, a family friend, to where she might, she's my mother's godmother, you know, and she passed away. And it's like hearing you speak, I now understand why she felt like she might have wanted to go the holistic way because I can only imagine them telling her, you know, the same thing, mm-hmm. um, giving her generics. And one thing is, a lot of people were mad that she wanted to go that route, you know? And they were saying, if she would have went through the chemo, if she would have went through this, she'll still be alive. And my response to them is, we don't know that. We're not God. We don't know. No. It resonates. I'm sorry? Go ahead, Jay. It's funny you said that because I was going with the holistic route. But when I, and, the, and the thing is, the doctors don't tell you all that stuff. It wasn't just, oh, I did surgery, chemo. No, I changed my whole lifestyle from the shit that I ate, the stuff that I use on my body, in my body, deodorants, toothpaste, food. I had to change everything. And it wasn't just, oh, let me change it while doing cancer. It's a lifestyle change. Yeah. Because you you, you introduce your body to so many toxins. That, to me, that's one thing with cancer is that, okay, say you you get chicken pox or whatever, mm-hmm. or you get a, an STD, you can point it out and say, okay, I know where I got it from. And that gives you some kind of comfort. Mm-hmm. but when you get cancer you don't know where the hell it comes from it's like everything feels like a trigger or everything feels like it can have something to do with what gave you cancer and I wanted to go holistic because I'm like if toxins created this fuck up mm-hmm. let me introduce myself to things that are non-toxic right. and it was like everything was scaring me and honestly when I went, did a lawsuit for the first place that misdiagnosed me it was a lady in the damn attorney's office that kept asking me why I didn't want to do chemo and I said I don't want to introduce that toxin in my body and she said honey you already got the damn toxin and I'm the other other poison and I'm like damn she stumped me and I said if I can get somebody who can stump me and not make me say something back I'll do it and it was her wow okay a, a total damn stranger and so when I did it, and I'm like, you know what? Sometimes you got to fight fire with fire. You got to fight a poison with a poison. And I'm like, no, I still don't completely agree with the treatment plans all the time. But sometimes you got to do what you got to do. And like you said, with your um, your loved one, yeah. you never know what could have happened or should have happened. And Cece, I don't know if you remember, I don't want to say his name just for his privacy, our coworker whose mom passed from cancer. Yes, I remember. I- remember but I'll text it to you but I remember going to his desk that day at work because he it was something that he needed I brought it to his desk I was like where is he and they were like his mom died and then on break I don't know if you remember they said she went the holistic route and I fell out because I was like that could have been me because that's the route that I wanted to take I think I know who you're talking about but you gotta text that one to me light break Brother Beige. Yes. Oh, man. Wow. See? So, and, and, and to me, that was just kind of like a wake-up kind of, I'm not saying, it is, it, I think holistic is awesome. Yes. But sometimes maybe yeah, you yeah. Know, in conjunction with yes. modern crap. Remember, we're not fighting something that's supposed to be here, I don't feel like. To me, I think we're, I think cancer is convenience. It comes from all these things that we're not used to. Back in the day, things didn't come in plastic. They came in glass. Yes. You didn't use microwave. You warmed it up in the oven or you threw them leftovers out. Very true. Like, it's a lot of do now that we didn't yeah. do back in the day. I had to do back in the day. 
And you can look at the cancer rates from the United States to other countries, even the death rate from cancer, and see something ain't right. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I, I'm, I don't want to say the cookie cutter answer. I, I'll pray for your healing and the loss of your loved ones, Jalissa. Mm-hmm. And I'll, I'll pray for the acceptance of the people around her to know she took the path that was right for her and it has nothing to do with them. Exactly. Because a lot of caretakers will take your story onto theirs and feel like it's their story. Mm-hmm. And you have to protect yeah. the story with you. Yeah, because when you were talking, it's like I, I was tearing up a little bit because it was like, mm-hmm. hearing you speak made me think, how did she feel? Like, hearing it from you and hearing how you felt, mm-hmm. it's like, I wonder, again, how she felt when they must have just bombarded her with the generic stuff as well. Like, do this, do that, and do this. And they were, must have been very cold also because for them, they see it all the time. But for you, they, they, don't, they, they tend to forget that yep. you did not... This is something new for you where cancer not not just on um, I'm sorry, another technical name, I'm sorry. The doctors who've dealt with cancer many times, for them it's like, okay, another patient, another number, it's like another, said, number. another number. But for you, it's like I'm not a flipping number. I'm a I'm a human. And the same thing goes mm-hmm. from the hospital recently. You're right. You have to act you have to be your own advocate. You do. Because if you don't speak up, they will just push you and treat you like yeah. you're another patient that's sitting in that bed or just coming into their office. So when you said you're about to be your own advocate, that is a strong and heavy, important advice. Yeah. And to find good providers, because my OB, my dino, she was like, all right, you had your baby? And I'm I'm just 31. And she's like, yeah, so your mammograms. I'm like, what? She's like, yeah. She's like, I don't know. Uh-huh. I start when you're 30 because I want to make sure you get it out. Mm-hmm. And hearing you at 25, uh-huh. it's like, good. whoa. Good. That's really good. You got a good one. Mm-hmm. What's their number? You got a good one. Trust me. Yeah. That's my girl, P.O.P. Hold it down. She's really good with that mammogram because you catching it. I'm telling you, the old that I had at that, I mean, the um, gyno that I had, the gyno that I had at that time, mm-hmm. I told her about the little cheek. And actually, you know, they do your little field or whatever on your annual. Yeah. And I was waiting for the field alone. Cause it was after I already went to the breast center and, and I was waiting for her to fill it. And she, okay, you're good. I said, you want to do that again? I said, you didn't fill this? She goes, oh. oh. And then as soon as I left, I, at the time I was on birth control. And as soon as I, I, I walked out of there and went to the front desk to fill my script and the girl at the front desk was like, I don't want to give it to you. And I went, I said, it ain't your place. You don't tell me what you, and I left without it. But I was pissed, and I'm glad she didn't give it to me. Cause my 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 breast cancer was hormone based, and a lot of women don't know birth control had a lot to do with strokes with us and breast cancer. I just stopped birth control, not to it's get hormone, pregnant. not to get pregnant, y'all. So just make sure y'all understand that. But it, <laughs> <laughs> I have to let that and yeah, it's hormonal. It's hormonal. <laughs> Like, I, I'm going to be honest, I had a few yeast infections and my, like, pH balance be off. When, yeah. I stopped oh. it, when I stopped it, I was like, why do I feel so much better? Like, my my mm-hmm. hormonal balance was like... Not, are you, are you? We all confessing. So I'm confessing you. tonight, Lord. Let me stop drinking. Let me tell you. I don't want to put that <laughs> on your feet. Uh, happens, whatever. <laughs> 
Right. But that's another thing. <laughs> People put so many stigmas on certain diseases. Like, I don't know anybody who ever died from good health. Your ass gonna get sick one time or another and you don't know what it's gonna be or how it's gonna be. Nobody acts to right. get sick. Right. Treat people how you would want to treat it if some if a doctor sat down and told you you got cancer or you got AIDS or you got herpes or had a stroke or something. Mm-mm. Everyone always has this like preconditioned like notion of how to look at you and how to treat you when you have a certain disease and who the hell died from good health? Right. Right. I care about my health. And once I I didn't do a big research on it, but I did, you know, somewhat of a research to know that all right, it's time for me to stop this. I stopped birth control. Birth control. Oh, no. mm-hmm. I will not let the birth control no Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's a pull out game, gotta be strong now. Yeah, but sure. Honestly, that'll make it too. Yeah. Yeah, even um, you know, bear. Let's say bear. Yeah. But even bear is is not good. You know, to to us and our hormones and our pH balance. No, it's not. If you have chronic yeast infections, like how do we I, get I here? That. How do we get here? Because it's, it's all part of the body. You know, women's bodies are intricate here. It's really intricate. It is. It really is. The least amount of things. The carbon is beautiful because it's self-clean, but it also can be thrown off easily. And that's something that I think me as a mother of a daughter, mm-hmm. I feel like I can teach you these things because I was thrown off by learning these things. Like it does all what? Mm-hmm. It does this. Right. Not doing this. Yeah. And it's like it's an amazing organ. It is amazing. It, mm-hmm. it produces a lot of stuff. However, homegirl down there and you don't mind I get along eighty five percent of some months, you know. And so it's like, ugh, it's important. And and you know what? I just mm-hmm. that because I put an IUD and you know, newly single trying to do our best life. Mm-hmm. And then like a week after, I was like, oh no, 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 something ain't going right down there. Mm-hmm. My periods are so regular, but I found out I was pregnant three days after my period. I just knew. It didn't come on this day, I knew wow. I was pregnant automatically. So with yeah. that IUD, I was, well, I was like, nope, I know I'm pregnant. It has to come out now because it's messing me up already. Yeah. So you're very mm-hmm. right. You look into that, you know, look into mm-hmm. their contraceptives. I could, yeah, I thought that. Yeah. Good. I'm glad you did. Right. You don't know what's causing what. That's the that's mm-hmm. the scary part. There's too many variables. Yeah. The food we eat is already a, a, you know, a setup. I'm sorry. I do apologize for the inconvenience. Mm-hmm. We tired. We tired. We tired. But we can't with you. I will say this. Um, hearing your story. I never, I didn't know you personally until now, but I heard your story and I heard after we talked about you and your foundation and like mm-hmm. your gatherings. And I was oh, like, wow. gosh, you love to see, see, oh, yeah, I probably oh, okay. seen other people, I'm sure. Oh, yeah, yeah, you're, they're very well known. And the mm-hmm. posters with the boxing gloves that are pink, like, trust me, very well known. You're very known to a lot of very people. Known. There's people I didn't even know that knew you that reached out to me. They really mm-hmm. wanted to hear this podcast tonight. I get that, and it's so like I'm usually so private and so so it's still like kind of like, mm-hmm. okay, like, but it is what it is. Fine. You don't get asked in the position you get asked there. Yeah, so. yeah. There's a lot of people I 
messages. I was like, oh my gosh, y'all. I didn't even know y'all knew her. What y'all hit me up for? Hi, okay. y'all. <laughs> Sure. I'm grateful. <laughs> same, same. I'm telling you, and I was like excited, and I and I'm very much happy we had this conversation. I'm yeah. try to block it, but that was laughing at him. Mm-hmm. Um, because caring, just that if you're 25, you're willing to survive. You know, yeah. being wrongfully diagnosed in the beginning, getting a second opinion, mm-hmm. all these things, mm-hmm. just like wow. You know, you really have to be your own doctor with, with the guidance of God, of, you know, from, I'm, I'm, I'm religious, I'm Christian, so I, I would say from, from God, um, but you have to, with the guidance of your higher power, we believe, but yourself also, mm-hmm. and hearing you speak about it and that you overcame it is like, wow, there's hope and there is belief and there is strength, you know, when there it, is, it, it, I don't want to discourage who is, you want to be religious or take that out of it because listen, I'm grateful. I, I thank God every day that I'm here. Mm-hmm. But my thing is, if, if God is in you mm-hmm. as it should be, you should be able to radiate that. You should be able to find that strength. Oh, yeah, definitely. So yeah. I, I don't want to take out of it because I know a lot of people how they feel about that, and I respect that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think it's more okay. a spiritual thing. Okay. I understand. I understand. Mm-hmm. So, so, what are your next steps now, other than you being in Mexico and leaving us behind? Right. Like, where do you see yourself, my girl, in the next two or three years past this COVID situation? What is your next big thing? You done beat cancer booty. You are moving forward. You are, you know, beautiful, thriving here. And your book, I'll be buying it. And so, what do you feel like is next for you in life? Don't tell us all your stuff, your little plans. But like a ball, like a, you know. A ballpark. A ball, like, but yeah, like next? a ballpark. Like, what's next? Like a, not intricate. Not intricate. Come on, your plans, girl. Just make them plans. Do your thing. This is delicious. This is her. Yeah. Play ball. <laughs> <laughs> a little bullet. A bullet, a bullet point. No, that's a good question because I honestly have no clue. <laughs> like, um... <laughs> I used to be so like rigid with certain things, like, like, oh God, I, I gotta graduate by this date. I have to do this by this date. And if it don't happen, I'm going to make it happen. Mm-hmm. But now I, I'm attempting to kind of let things mm-hmm. kind of force now a little bit more. Cause you really realize that you don't have that much control as you thought you did. So, right. and, and it's good to make plans, but right now, I think I made so many plans that right now I'm just kind of letting things come and go as they need to. Okay. And letting just the universe be the filter. Yep, that's hard for me as Virgo. I get it, but. It, it's, it's really, I'm a tourist. I'm a tourist. I'm okay, okay, okay Jalissa, you hear this, Jalissa? Do it, Jalissa. Right, Jalissa, do it. Just let it go. I'd be having like 15 lists on top of 15 lists on 15 lists on top of to do. Oh, when I say my list, I think right now I'm kind of just focusing on myself mm-hmm. and like making myself a better girlfriend or a better daughter or a better tiger or a better whatever. Mm-hmm. And just kind of focusing on, even if they're little things, I'm focusing on my vocabulary. I'm focusing on my posture. I'm focusing on trying to work out. I'm focusing on learning new recipes or whatever. Just little finding those little things that make me feel good to add up to big things that's true 
I'm learning the same thing. Actually. So that the so that the little things and stuff that I can't control don't bother me as much. Mm. That's a good way to look at it now, definitely. So yeah, I, I mean, you you don't teach you it if it doesn't. This this whole year felt like cancer. What? <laughs> but shit just keep happening. I don't even yeah, because know I'm like, but it feels like that everything is something different you're always getting used to something different like I had seven surgeries in the span of like a year and a half so it's like with every surgery and every appointment you get disappointed or you get an expectation or you're getting let down or you get new news or you're getting bad news or good news so you can't control that you just kind of control how you deal with it that's definitely so that's what I'm explain 2020 you really did <laughs> you really Answer. Oh my god. <laughs> 2020. Well, we don't want to take up too much of your Mexico time. I'm sure the rain has stopped and you want to enjoy your vacation. Mm-hmm. So we want to thank you again for joining <laughs> us and thank you time with us and sharing your I appreciate it, ladies. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you and enjoy your time. Take pictures. Anytime. All right. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs>